Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the audio ministry of Lighthouse Baptist Church in Schenectady, New York. For more great content, please visit us at lighthousebaptist.org. Now let's open our hearts and minds to the Word of God. Divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host and command the people, saying, Prepare you victuals, for within three days ye shall pass over this Jordan to go into possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. Into the Reubenites, into the Gad. Asa spake Joshua, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God hath given you rest, and hath given you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side, Jordan. But ye shall pass before your brethren armed, all the mighty men of valor, and help them, until the Lord hath have given your brethren rest, as he hath given you. And they... Uh, also have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them. Then shall ye return unto the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you on this side, Jordan, toward the sunrising. And they answered Joshua, saying, All that thou commandest us, we will do. And whithersoever thou sentest us, we will go. According as we hearkened unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee, as he was with Moses. Whosoever he be that doth rebel against thy commandments, and will not hearken unto thy words and all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death. Only be thou strong and of good courage. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege that's ours to be in your house. And it is, Lord, it's our honor. We are here, God's house, on the Lord's day to open up your word. And Father, we are utterly confident that, Lord, the Holy Spirit of God will deliver to us the things that we need to know, that we need to hear, that we need to apply. And, Father, we pray, Lord, from the bottom of our hearts for the Adam Kosky family as they are dealing with this sudden change, the homegoing of Albert. And, Lord, words cannot express uh, exactly what is going on, but, Father, we know that, that your Spirit is wonderful. And Lord, we ask that you would give wonderful, wonderful grace. And Lord, the times are so tender and hurting. But God, we know that you are faithful, and we do pray for your healing touch, for binding up the wounds, for giving them strength. And Lord, we thank you for the valor, the heroic nature of this man. And we, Lord, we pray that you bless the service, May the word of God go forth with clarity and power. And Lord, if there's anybody here that needs to respond and trust Christ as Savior, Lord, we pray this would be the day. 
And Father, in all things, we pray that you'd get the preeminence and the honor and the glory, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, time changes, God doesn't. That is absolutely true. The passage is very clear. Of course, Moses is dead, Joshua's the new commander, and he's saying, go over to, you're going to cross the Jordan, and you're going to possess the land. Of course, he hadn't crossed over yet. That's going to come in the next couple chapters. Verses 12, when it says, into the Reubenites and Gadites, I don't know if that threw you at all, but the Reubenites and Gadites and the half-tribe Manasseh were given the right to stay on the other side of the Jordan. So when everybody else, the other nine and a half tribes, came in this side of the Jordan to possess the land, the Reubenites, Gadonites, and half-tribe Manasseh were allowed to stay on the other side of the Jordan. They liked the land there. And they said to Moses, hey, can we stay here? And Moses got the word from the Lord, said, yeah, you can stay here, but your men have to come with us until we conquer this land then you can go back and actually stay in that land. And so that's what verse 12 was talking about. The Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they're gonna, you're going to come over and help us, and then when we're all done, then you can go back with your children, your cattle, and all these other things, and stay in that nice part of the land that, that you like so much. And uh, so, But the, the whole thing about it is, is change. When big changes come in life, it, we find it, of course, very unsettling. It's always been the case that famous philosopher Mark Twain once said, the only person who likes change is a wet baby. <laughs> and that's true. You know, I, I read a statistic, I may even have it in here, that 16% of churches do not like change. They resist change. 16% uh, of people in a church. I don't know if this is true. I don't know how, how standardized this percentage is. But that 16% will never agree with change, and other, the other 84% uh, is, is ready for change. And so, again, it's hard to really measure exactly what that is. Change can be an energizing force for power and progress, or, if not handled well, can be a force for stagnation and regression. So you gotta be very careful how you handle change. And there's plans, there's ways to handle change. There are definite ways. It's, we won't get into all the strategy now and the, the specific stuff, but there's a way to handle change, and the Bible is all about change. And those, those people that handled change well did incredibly well. Because the only thing that doesn't change is change. Change will always change. Things will always change. So the question is, how are we going to handle the change? And so if we handle it well, we do really well. If we handle it poorly, well, then the ball is, you know, can, be, can be dropped and can result in some losses. We have to be very careful. And uh, the right way to handle change, and we're going to go over it today, and some, some basic principles is found in Scripture. And the first thing you recognize is God never changes. God never changes. This is the absolute bedrock of our peace, of our security, of our confidence, knowing that God never changes. And we have confidence, and we can see it, the past, the present, and the future, that God never changes. That's our anchor. God is our anchor. Jesus is our anchor. And there's some times when we require more faith than other times. The trying of your faith is, is a wonderful thing. It's a very good thing. It's good for us. God wants our faith to be tested. And what we see is God never changes. And we also see that God's mission is, is always the key. And it's his mission that's got to continue. The commitment to the mission helps us weather the changes that come with it. You think about what's going on here, and in, in, in starting in verse 1, is uh, we see the personnel changes, 
But the promises continue. Verses 1 through 5, I know we read all the verses, but just as a remembrance, verses 1 through 5 says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea, the Mediterranean Sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. And I read something interesting, and not connected to the sermon or sermon prep, was in the book of Acts, a lot of people talk about church growth, church growth, church growth. You know what the book of Acts talks about? The word of God spreads. It doesn't talk hardly at all about church growth. They had to say numbers, and they do say so on and so forth. But the main item here is the word of God spread. And so it's not about just, and this is where I think where some churches get messed up. They're in the marketing, what can we get more people in, and a very good exercise. What's the key? The key is not church growth being the end, but the word of God going forth. That's the end. And I think, you know, I believe that's a key for church growth as we see in the book of Acts. But in these first five verses, we see the personnel changes, but the promises are constant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Okay, He's gone. That, that had to be a huge change. I mean, to this day, we refer, you, I don't know how you say it, but you, we might say to someone, well, who do you think you are, Moses? You know, that's how big of a figure it was. It's huge. And it, this, this whole thing starts with the matter-of-fact statement where God said, Moses, my servant, is, is dead. And it, it wasn't that God simply moved, that the people of God simply moved on after Moses' death, because they mourned for him for 30 days. In Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 8, they mourned for him for 30 days. That, that's fine. But the scene shifts immediately to, now what do we need to do? You know, change is a part of life and a part of God's plan. And in verse 2, of course, is where it says, so the present is, then the past, they see, this is past, present, and future. In the past, God did great things. Moses, terrific, wonderful things going on. But now is today, now is the present. And he says to Joshua in verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, okay, so we covered that. <laughs> Moses, my servant, is dead. And all that went with it, you mourn for 30 days. But now then, you and all this people get ready to cross the Jordan River into land that, that I'm about to give them to the Israelites. And God gave them to the Israelites. And things had changed. And this is the key. If, if they said, if they said, uh, Moses is dead, oh no, what are we going to do? And they, want, they kind of wallowed in that, so to speak. Or they, they were stuck there. I want to say wallowed. That kind of seemed disrespectful. But if they said, you know, oh, no, what are we going to do? Well, then you got an issue because it's all about Moses. God said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, continue on. And not to take away from Moses, but also to change the focus. It wasn't about Moses. Moses is a servant. And, and, and the key thing for the Israelites was, what was the mission that God gave you? Well, to go into land and to take it over. I'm sure they would love to have Moses do it, but he, the, the time was passed. Moses died. He wasn't allowed to go into the promised land. And so Joshua was one who could lead them. And here's the key. 
unchanged. This is true with anything. And, you know, there's some just, our church is going through a change. We got families going through change. Oh, my. And the, the, simply, and I say very sensitively, you can't live in the past, right? You probably cover this in grief share in probably seven different ways. You can't live in the past. You honor the past and you embrace the past and you're strengthened by memories and relationships and that kind of thing. But you can't live in the past. And, you know, and I would never say that insensitively towards anyone going through such a hard time. I mean, it's, it's not appropriate to say at a time such as this with certainly what, what, what this particular family is going through and what other families go through in similar situations. But when, when and again, I'm not speaking of that situation. I want to move on from that. The, the, the main point being is that you can't live in the past. There are people, and you've known them. Maybe you've been there. I think we've all been there. Oh, the way it used to be. And we kind of get stuck there. You can never get stuck there. It's always got to be, you know, that was terrific. Today's now. We need to move on. I remember when, when my grand pastor passed away, Pastor James Stanrich. It was August of 1993. And I remember because I was pollying the, the floor. As a matter of fact, Mary Ellen and I were talking about pollying and refinishing things. And, and I was pollying the floor uh, when he passed away. And I remember thinking he was such a, a great figure in my life. He really was. He because it, it was he, it was Pastor Leon Gray at Berean Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri, was, was, was my pastor's pastor in college. Uh, pastor Jim Stanrich was his pastor at, before college and kind of after college in Mansfield, Ohio. And th they were really very significant men in my life because I looked to them as, as, as far back as I could go as men carrying the truth and holding up the banner and, and the baton for, for Christ. And then he passed away. It's like, you know, that's gone. I can't call him anymore. And we would call. In the last few years, we had him at our church probably three times. He spoke at a couple of missions conferences, two or three missions conferences, I think one other special meeting. I had very good conversation with him, very good meetings with him about, about things, about church, about, you know, spiritual topics. And, uh, but he's gone now. And, uh, and the conversation is over. He had passed away. But you realize, well, our, my continuing on and anyone at, under his influence continuing on was not based upon him being there. We learn from him, but then we press on and, and God will never change. His word will never change. His commands and his laws will never change. God, God and his word are the constants that can be counted on, even in our extremely changing world. Um, you know, God re, re, restates the same promises to Israel under Joshua that he said to Moses. You know, Joshua, now Joshua didn't say this, but if Joshua said, well, now what am I going to do? God said, you know what to do. Go get them. And no one, no one, no one will be able to stand before you all these days. And he said specifically, as I was with Moses... So I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And it is, it is absolutely the changeless God that enables us to confront a changing world and move forward. But it's, it's always, you know, breaking through that stagnation, that, that momentary, oh, no. Now it's like, oh, yes, I know what I need to do. And so we have changing uh, Personnel changes, but the promises are constant, absolutely. 
And secondly, verses 6 through 9, promote character, and then prosperity continues. Promoting character. Verses 6 through 9 says, Be strong and have a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee? I love the way that's stated. It just sounds so clear. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. So here's the key. So how was this addressed? Well, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now everybody knew that they had mourned for 30 days. And now they're facing the Jordan. I'm sure a lot of people say, I wish Moses was here. And that's probably true. And Moses probably would have done a good job. Except God said, you can't go in. There's a reason why he couldn't go in. So now they're facing the Jordan River, and they're going to go ahead and conquer the land. What do they do? Well, so God, he addressed it very, very methodically, very objectively, very truthfully. Moses is dead. Um, there's a promise. There's a task. There's a mission that has got to be accomplished. Then the second part says, so do it. And he says, promote character. Be strong and have a good courage. That's what he said to Joshua. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shall thou divide the land. So, it's, so change, must, change must be approached correctly for continuity to occur. And of course, in change, the continuity is not in the person. It's in the character. It's in the mission. It's in the pursuit. Be strong and courageous. That's what he says it like at least four times. Character does count. That's why it's so important that that, that, that burden, that mission, that ministry has got to be collectively held because it, it's so incredibly important. The unity, the, the fellowship, the, the, the togetherness, it's, it, it can't be, it should never be based upon Moses or based upon one man. It's a, it's a, it's a group effort. And when the, when the character continues, then the mission continues. And like Moses, Joshua had already, been, had already been proven that he has a godly character, but now's the time to really step up. And God addresses Joshua to make the word of God the defining element. And this is, again, like I said about the book of Acts. The book of Acts does talk about church growth. I, absolutely. I'm, I'm not saying it doesn't. It absolutely does. But the key to that, and what the book of Acts says repeatedly, is the word of God spread. Well, the word of God, I come up here without an object lesson. We've got tracks out back. We've got, uh, you know, whether it's door to door, and I strongly encourage door to door. I think it's terrific. You know, soul winning, door to door, witnessing to people, inviting them out, super important. Uh, you know, somehow, some way, we've done the entire city of Schenectady and a portion of Gilderland, Rotterdam, according to Brother Mike, uh, 12 times, you said? Something like that, 12 times? Now, he, he was a vote counter for Biden, so just kind of keep that in the back of your mind. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But something like 12 times. Now, we don't have a lot of people doing it. In times past, we had more and less and kind of up and down ebbs and flows. The key thing is to keep doing it because God honors that. I mean, telling people. Not everybody looks on Facebook. The newer generation says, well, this would be easy to evangelize. 
I'll make a post on Facebook, like 25,000 other people. And I'm for social media. I'm not adept at social media. I'm conceptually on board with social media. And there's a place for it. I, I recommend it. But you know what? You know what can never be replaced? Hi, my name is, I'm from Lighthouse Baptist Church. Just want to let you know we're here. I want to invite you out. There's 5,000 Facebook posts went whooshing by. But you're standing at the door saying, we'd like to see you come out to church. And if you get a minute, maybe you can read this track and, and see how you can know for sure when you die, you go to heaven. 98 times out of 100, that's about as far as you're going to get. But boy, those other 2%, they're totally worth it. And um, this is not a message on souling, not a message on how to do it. But what I recommend, one of the best things I ever came across, I've been through a few different kind of training sessions, studies on soul winning, is when you have them read the verse, what does that verse say? Now that verse says, uh, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What do you think it means? I think it means that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's exactly what it means. Then the next, what's that next verse say? Well, the next verse says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And have them read it. I say this because I made the mistake for years. I would read it. I'd tell them what it said. I'd read the next one, tell them what it said. I have no idea if they're even listening to me. But when they read it and they tell you what it said, now at least you know they're listening. What do you think it means when it says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved? I think it means, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I'll, I'll frequently say, this is not complicated, is it? And they'll say, no, it isn't. I said, it absolutely is not complicated, but super important. Well, I, I say all that just to say, the word of God going forth, whether it's door-to-door -door visitation, whether it's uh, personal evangelism, one-on-one, -on -one, which, by the way, is where most of our evangelism goes on. And I know this just from talking to people. You, ladies meetings, grief share, uh, uh, friends at work, people you've been praying for, neighbors, people who have the audacity to come in your house and do some work just because you called them you want to pay them. <laughs> you know, Joan is, is brilliant at that. You know, I can guarantee you there's probably not a single contractor that's come to her house that got away without a track in the last 30 years. And that's probably a safe statement, wouldn't you say? But it's the word of God going forth. The word of God going forth. And this is, it's, it's wonderful. It's, 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 it should be like an effervescent, spontaneous movement from within the heart of God's children. This should be the case. Is it always the case? Probably not. But boy, that's the way it should be. Amen? Amen? It absolutely should be. So here with, so the promises don't change. The promise was in verse Second part of verse 8, uh, it says, well, beginning of verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Here's the second part. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. The promises are, and a lot of promises are conditional. This one says, if you meditate on my word day and night, and I don't think he means you, you, every single moment or I'm not going to hold up my end of the deal. But if we're meditating on his word, he says, then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. You know what happens when we're thinking about the word of God? And it might be topical. It might be last days kinds of things. Because a lot of us are thinking about last days kinds of things. 
mostly because it's the last days, and we're seeing the signs all over the place. We know that Jesus is coming back. So maybe we're thinking about that. Maybe we've been thinking about some verses on salvation. Maybe you read some verses on hell. And it's like, oh my goodness, I, I've got to be more faithful in telling people about this because they're going there. They're going there, and I don't want them to go there. But as we think about the word of God and the various topics that are contained in it, that becomes, it becomes more natural for it to come out when talking to someone. So, and he says specifically, if thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, then thou shalt make the way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So the promises are, are awesome. And uh, he gives so many of them. And then lastly, participation called, people committed. So we have, you know, again, there's a personnel change. Moses to Joshua. If they were to vote, who'd you like better, Moses or Joshua? Probably say, ah, Moses, except for Moses, except for Joshua's mom, she'd probably say Joshua. And, but the change came, we said, it's, it's not about the people, it's about the mission, it's about the, the character, it's about the, you know, what's really important, what we're really here for. And then in verses 10 through 18, we see participation. This is where Joshua is basically saying, come on, everybody. You know, we're in this together. Verses 10 through 18. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, pass through the host and command the people, saying, prepare your victuals, for within three days you shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. And then he goes into the, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe Manasseh, them coming over too. But he says, get ready. So it's, it's, it's bringing in everybody they possibly can, and Joshua is picking up the mantle of leadership. He's embracing the mission. What is the mission? Well, the mission is you know, building the church. It's a propagation of the gospel. You know, Ephesians chapter 4 is a great place to talk about the mission of the church. It doesn't emphasize soul winning that particular passage. It talks about the edifying of the saints and, and, and so on and so forth. But the witnessing and the edification and the encouraging, not the discouraging. All right, we can go anywhere to get discouragement. But encouraging, that makes such a huge difference. So there was this preparation for, uh, for, for the task. And Moses was gone. But the only difference now was who was in charge. The goal was the same. The mission is the same. The promises of God, the same. The challenge is the same. So Joshua ordered the leaders of the people. And what they find is that, you know, verses 12 through 18 is the partnership. We won't read it just for time's sake, but uh, there'll be some tribes who get their, their territory up front. Reubenites, Gadites, half-tribe Manasseh. And then you have the nine and a half tribes over here. So this area will be settled first, fought for first, but they'll get theirs. And what they find is that God's promises are consistent. You know, it, somebody once said, it, it's easy to make a buck. It's a lot tougher to make a difference. And so when change comes, say, well, it's time to make a difference. I said years ago, if God had ever called me out to another area or something, I'd, I'd want to go. And this is not the situation where we're in now, but I think I'd rather go to a, a smaller church than a bigger church. I'm not against bigger churches. Bigger churches have a lot of positive things if they're built the right way. But smaller churches, you make a difference. If you're in a larger church, I'm not against them by any stretch of imagination. But you kind of blend in, and they kind of give you more, more ministry, that kind of thing. But in a smaller church, you're the one that's shouldering it. You're making a difference. 
when everybody else is, you know, taking it easier, so to speak, and again, not to take away from them, but you're the one making the difference. You're the one being faithful and, and shouldering the responsibilities. And, and what we see here with Joshua and the people was that they had to unite in purpose. They had to support uh, this, this direction, this mission together. They had to trust in the promises of God. They had to have faith in the mission that God had called them to. And then, and then they would see God's promises come true. And it's, it's just, it was awesome. You know, the, the one thing that never changes, and I say this in conclusion, is that God never changes. He never, ever changes. You know, we think about our lives, and there's big changes that happen in our lives. We see it by way of life and death. We see it by way of relationships adding or subtracting. We see, see a lot of changes in life. And we weather them. And some of them are brutal when you go through them. And I'll never speak lightly of them because they're not light. They're brutal. But what held us up? And what kept us together going through those times? If we focused on the change that happened then, well, then we're stagnant, and we're like, oh, that's not good. But we press on, say, you know what? I'm going to serve the Lord. And I, I could make specific examples right now. I don't think it'd be totally appropriate to do so, but, but the, the, the decision, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to make a difference. What happens is now you're brought out of that, that spot where a lot of people will get stuck. You move on, you say, no, now God's still in control, and it makes all the difference in the world. You know, change, it happens, it happens all the time, but how we handle it, it, you know, the Bible's all about change, and those that handled change well resulted in great progress, personal, individual, corporate. If you handle it well, there's great progress, and there's, it's just so much, uh, so many reasons to be thankful and to look into God by faith. You know, I don't like it when my faith is tried. Do you? No fun. I like it better when I don't need so much faith. It's easier. Just by definition, it's easier. But God allows our faith to be tried. And in hindsight, it's always a, oh, such a pain when you go through it. And I'm not, I'm not, I don't mean that as any discredit, obviously, towards God's working. But on a personal level, it's such a pain when you go through it. But having gone through it, in hindsight, you look back and say, that's when I grew. I grew then. Because there was a challenge. I never would have voted for it, but that's where it was. And I grew because of that. I, you know, I've said it before, there's several instances in my life, in our church's life, where I'd never, ever vote for it. But as a result, there was tremendous growth, character, depth, strength, commitment, on a lot of different levels. And it really all comes back to keeping the mission, trusting God, and keeping our eyes on him as, as we go through it. Let's, let's bow our heads for just a minute. We're going to have a time of prayer. And, um, you know, God is, God is all about change. If time changes, God doesn't. And um, it's, you know, how do we handle it? How do we respond to it? Um, realize God's always faithful. And what happens is, like with these officers that were under Joshua... They took upon themselves some responsibility they didn't have before, and now and everybody benefited as a result of that. We want to ask ourselves, Lord, what do you want me to do in a time of change? What can I do? How can I step up?
What do you want me to do? It's, it's an it's a incredible opportunity. I'm just so thankful that Jesus never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we can take such great comfort in that. We hope that message was an encouragement to you. To stay up to date with us, please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC Schenectady. If you would like more information on how heaven can be your home, please visit lighthousebaptist.org slash the gospel.